Would you pray with me? Lord, this morning we thank you, as Velma has mentioned, for your word, that it's available to us, that it is trustworthy, that it is good, that it brings life and hope, that it brings conviction, Lord, and challenges us by your spirit. We pray today that you would open our hearts, uh, not just to the information of your word, Lord, but that it would form and transform us as you speak through your word, Lord. We want to submit to it and recognize that you have authority to speak into our lives today. So open our hearts, we ask, Holy Spirit, in your name, amen. Amen. When we began uh, our series on the Psalms of Ascent, our summer series, we talked a bit about how these psalms were were likely sung and prayed uh, as pilgrims uh, of Jerusalem, Israel, would come back to the holy city uh, to worship there. At set times a year, everyone had to come back to Jerusalem for, for festivals, uh, three festivals in particular. And so you had pilgrims uh, en masse coming back to Jerusalem and going up to Jerusalem, because Jerusalem's up on a hill. You always go up to Zion. And we talked about how these psalms were likely sung, were prayed uh, as songs of ascent, as preparing the pilgrims uh, for returning to God, for uh, worshiping at his temple, uh, for coming out of uh, their various places and coming back as a people to God. And I think in that context, there's sort of a natural application to us that we, in, in some ways, are also pilgrims. We're spiritual pilgrims on the road through life, and we're moving, uh, hopefully, moving towards God, moving towards a deeper relationship in Christ. And so these Psalms remind us, both Israel back in the day, but they also remind us as spiritual pilgrims, as the church, the people of God in this time, they remind us of crucial things that we need to remember, uh, crucial things to live by or to be encouraged with. Uh, things that we need to rehearse in our own lives, things to celebrate and uh, to sing about as we travel that way. And so with that in mind, we're going to look at Psalm 130. And Psalm 130 is essentially a psalm about being a sinner. And, and if that's true, and I think it's quite clear that that's what it's about when you read it, when you hear it, then this psalm is really... For every single one of us here this morning. It's a psalm about sorrow at our sin and repentance from sin. And it's not just about being sinful and sort of wallowing in that, but it's a psalm that begins with acknowledging sinfulness and then turns in repentance towards God. And so as much as you could say it's a psalm about being sinful, perhaps in a better sense, it's a psalm about turning to God, turning back to God, perhaps. And so it's a psalm that speaks uh, the gospel to us, that we are in uh, darkness, that we are in the distress of sin, and we give, uh, we give acknowledgement. Maybe we've come out of sin, and we've come into a relationship with Jesus. This is a reminder of where we once were, for some of us, though, uh, as we, well, for all of us, as we travel through life, we still battle with sin. 
And this is someone who knows God and is battling with temptation, battling with sin, and coming back in repentance to God. And so this psalm, is, it, it kind of meets us in that place where we can feel despair about ourselves, maybe despair about life. It meets us in that place, and it really sort of gives us a path of how to pray when we're in that place of, of feeling the depths of our sinfulness, or maybe perhaps just the hardship of life. It gives us a path from that depth up into uh, forgiveness and assurance from God. Um, and so in some ways, it's like a literal song of ascent because we start down low and we end up high from, from the, the abyss of even depression, we might say, up to the heights of, of knowing who God is and what he speaks over us again. So we're going to follow that path this morning from being down low to being up high. And we, we take that path through the four stanzas of this psalm. There's really sort of four uh, parts. And I think it depends on what Bible you're looking at. Uh, but there might be an extra space between the stanzas, depending on how it's been formatted. Um, but essentially, verses 1 and 2, that's our first stanza. And it is the psalmist's plea, the plea out to God from the depths of despair. And then the second stanza is God's promise. And then the third stanza goes back to the psalmist. It's sort of the psalmist's passion for God. So we begin with plea, then promise, and then the psalmist's passion, and then it ends with God's purposes, or you might say even God's promises again. So a plea, a promise, a passion, and a purpose. And so with that in mind, let's look again at Psalm 130. Let's consider this first stanza, which is the plea, the cry from the depths. Let me read again verses 1 and 2. Psalm 130, a song of ascents. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. So once again, we see the psalmist begins calling out of the depths. And in the ancient Hebrew world, uh, often when you think of depths, you might think of water, you might think of sort of the abyss of the ocean. And in that uh, worldview, often the depths or the sea were the source of distress or danger or despair. And so you might say the depths uh, are a good metaphor for our own sort of fears and distresses. I think any of us who have kids who have ever played near the pool or at the beach are well aware of the dangers of the depths. Uh, if you've ever been at the beach with us, uh, you probably aren't too surprised to know we have one who will just go headlong into the water, uh, very unaware of the danger of the depths. This is Noah. He just wants to just go head first in. And uh, so we call it being on death watch. We have to be on death watch with the kids at the beach. Um, and that's, you know, that's sort of humorous. But I think uh, we're also well aware, how many of you are following the issues with the submersible trying to go see the Titanic uh, in the news in the last couple months? and uh, the implosion that happened. We're well aware of the danger of the depths, quite literally, of the sea. Um, but of course, the dark, the danger, the depths can explore or, or refer to all sorts of life experiences. Because I think uh, you can't go very far in life without being reminded again that we live in a broken and fallen world. And we see uh, the reality of that all around us. We live in a world that's impacted by sin. Uh, in a general sense, but, 
But particularly this morning in this psalm, we find the writer is feeling the depth of despair about his own sinfulness. Look again at, uh, at verse 1 and 2. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to the voice of my pleas for mercy. And then here's where we realize this is about sin. Verse 3, if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? The psalmist is well aware of his own sinfulness, his own brokenness. Have you ever been there? I have. Where I'm well aware of my own sinfulness. And uh, my my guess is that there are some of us here this morning that are well aware of that weightiness of our sin. Or perhaps, maybe in a more general way, there's something else that is weighing on you, uh, that is drowning, that feels overwhelming. What do we do when we encounter that distress? Well, we can do all sorts of things. We can deny it, of course. We can pretend it's not there. Uh, we can distract ourselves from the feeling of the reality of our sin or the, the difficulty we might be facing by uh, chasing all sorts of other things to kind of occupy our minds. Um, we can try to rationalize our sin. We can say, well, I'm not that bad of a person compared to so-and-so. I think uh, everyone else, we could say, everyone else does this thing. Well, what's wrong if I do it? And when we live in that place of, of ignoring our own sinfulness, we can begin to dull ourselves to God. There's a sense in which we are cut off from God. And there's all sorts of ways we can deal with the symptoms of sin. But no amount of self-help or self-pity or sort of self-trying, I guess you could say, will ever answer uh, the depths of our sinfulness. And this is where these verses actually show us the path out of the depths of our sin. So rather than denying sin, rather than distancing or distracting himself from sin, the psalmist feels the full weight of sin. He faces the reality of it. And when he faces the reality of it, it leads him to something else. It leads him to cry out, and he cries out to God. And I think there's something important for us to remember there, friends, is that when we're honest about sin, when we're honest about ourselves, it's meant to point us back to God. When we realize the depth of our need, we're invited to come back to God, to call out to God. When we stop denying it, when we face ourselves, our hearts can be turned back to God. And so the psalmist pleads for mercy. This is his plea. It's a plea to God. And notice he's, he's confident in God's answer. He doesn't try to hide from God. He knows that even in his despair, his real despair about sin, God has the answer. God has the forgiveness that he's looking for. God has real hope and real life. So let me read verses 3 and 4 for us. If you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. I can remember uh, early on when we first had Rowan, our firstborn. Uh, we were in BC at the time. Uh, young parents and uh, you know you get sort of primed to wake up 
to babies crying, especially if it's your own, you know, or you just have brought this baby home and uh, you're just kind of not on edge per se. Well, maybe you are. <laughs> yeah, there's probably days you are. Um, but you sort of, your body just gets attuned to when this child starts crying, you wake up. Uh, mums, especially, like biologically, are kind of geared for this. Dads are too, but I think to a lesser well, I shouldn't say to a lesser degree, because some of you are fantastic at getting up with kids in the night, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, you know, there's only so much we can do to help when the baby's crying at night. It's usually hunger, and uh, we just can't do much in that department unless it's a bottle. So, uh, I remember being primed when Rowan would start crying. Uh, our ears are attuned to him. And in the same way, folks, God's ears are attuned your cries. God's ears are tuned to hear when you are in the depths of despair and you cry out to him. God is not distant from you. And so as the psalmist says, Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive. Uh, God's ears are attentive. He does hear you. He does listen. He's not distant. His heart is turned to you. And there's a confidence even as the psalmist cries out to God, there's a confidence that God can indeed answer. And he says, if you could mark, and if you should mark iniquities, who could stand? The sort of this uh, implication, no one can stand. If God were to keep track of all of our sins uh, and mark them all down and have them before us, there's no one, none of us here this morning, no one on the face of the earth and no one through all the centuries of time who would stand sinless before God to save Jesus himself. All of us uh, would stand, uh, would be disqualified because of our sin. But, but, in the beginning of verse 4, that but uh, is a wonderful turn in the psalm. Lord, who could stand but with you? There is forgiveness that you may be feared. And notice it's with you there is forgiveness period period no fine print there's no footnote at the bottom of of the page saying eh, well here's some exceptions here's where god's forgiveness might not apply you know and sort of a list of there's no terms or conditions to god's forgiveness do you realize that there's no end to the quantity or quality of god's forgiveness in him there is forgiveness period there's no quota there's no set limit as though you might have so many chances and then God's forgiveness expires. No. It's not, oh, I'll forgive you so many times and then you're cut off. No. No. God forgives, period. In you there is forgiveness. And that forgiveness is for right now. You don't need to work at it. You don't need to try to earn it. You could never earn it anyway. That forgiveness is now and here today in this moment as much as it was for the psalmist whoever you are wherever you are this morning god's forgiveness is for you here now period that the power of the cross of jesus is greater than the worst of your sins and there's nothing you can do to disqualify yourself to say my sins worse than what jesus went through on the cross for me no no the cross is stronger than your sin. And it is open and available, God's forgiveness. It's immediate. 
and it's received, able to be received by anyone who by faith through Christ asks God for it. And so perhaps you've never asked God for that forgiveness. Perhaps you know you need it. And if that's you, I want you to know you can have peace with God today. You can know the forgiveness of God because he loves you. And he sent Jesus to willingly come and live and die in your place to take on himself the justice for sin from God so that this forgiveness can be offered freely and fully received with confidence for all who believe in Jesus. That's the promise of the gospel for us. And that forgiveness leads to a new way of living. Look at the end of verse 4. But with you there is forgiveness that you may be feared. So this, is about, this is about being forgiven so that we can begin a life that uh, lives in awe and reverence of God and who he is, that God changes our lives to, to serve and to worship him. Forgiveness isn't about leading us into apathy, where it's like, well, God forgives me, so whatever, I'll just do whatever I want. That's not really even true repentance at that point. But our forgiveness from God is meant to renew our joy and our fire to live for God. When we realize how much we've been forgiven. It changes uh, us from the inside out. And we still might struggle with sin, as the psalmist does here. He already knows God, right? He's still struggling with sin. But we have this hope that God has promised his forgiveness to us when we turn to him in faith. Uh, isn't that good? It's really good. And I hope that, that that settles deep in your bones this morning. Take a look then at verses 5 to 6. I'm going to read them. Now the psalmist says, I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord. More than watchman for the morning. More than watchman for the morning. This is the, the psalmist's passion, his craving, you could say, his longing. And you, can, you get a sense that the, the psalm now is moving from being very down low and we're starting to ascend, aren't we? We're starting, we've encountered God's forgiveness. And now things are starting to become more hopeful and more joyful looking as we go. And, and he, there's a sense here that he's, he's moved past sin. He's moving towards God. He's longing to hear the assurance that God forgives him. And I think this is really important. Sometimes we can know the forgiveness of God sort of mentally. Like we know that up here that God should forgive us. But there's something powerful about hearing someone speak God's forgiveness over us. Uh, saying, you are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. In the name of Jesus, may you know the assurance, the confidence that God forgives your sins. That you're washed clean. There's something powerful about that. And he's, he's waiting to hear that word, I think. Uh, there's likely an allusion here to uh, the Old Testament uh, sacrificial system where you would offer the sacrifice uh, for forgiveness for sins and then you would hear the priest speak that assurance over you. And of course, for us now, we don't offer animal sacrifices. Jesus has been that ultimate sacrifice for us. But there's something that can be very, very fulfilling hearing that word of assurance that God forgives us. There's this sense here of waiting. All of us know about waiting and here the psalmist is, is learning to wait on God to move in this situation. But he, he's learning to wait with hope, uh, not despair, like watchmen for the morning. This is the sense as a watchman, you're probably watching for enemies that could potentially come. And you're relieved when the sun comes up. You're, you're relieved when the watchmen see the morning. And in the same way, 
Some of you perhaps are longing for night to end and for day to begin, to come out of the depths and to find hope in God. Let me just tell you this morning, there's an assurance from God's word that you will not be in the depths forever. That he will, he will bring you out of that place and into a place of life and resurrection again. And maybe it's not that you're battling with sin. Maybe there's other things happening in your life that have brought you very low. Know first you're in good company, that the people of God through every time have encountered incredible difficulty. Uh, so you're in, good, you're in good company, but you're also in good hands. That God, who is full of grace and forgiveness, has hope and life for you, even in the place that feels despairing. And that brings us to the final point. And the point now, uh, you see the psalmist turns from thinking about himself to thinking about Israel. Uh, I think that's the mark of, of a healthy Christian life in some ways. One mark. I'm sure we could say there's several. But one mark is we stop focusing on ourselves and start thinking of others. And the psalmist now moves from thinking about his own sin and his own issues and his own stuff that's going on in him. And he starts to pray for his, his people. Look at verse 7. He says, O Israel, hope in the Lord. He has encountered the hope of the Lord, but now he's calling others into that same hope. Hope in the Lord, for with the, lo with the Lord there is steadfast love, and there is plentiful redemption, and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. There's this sense uh, that the psalmist is, is calling the people of God, and by extension, uh, he's calling us this morning as the people of God, calling us to join him in hope and in trusting and in waiting uh, in his passion for God to come and bring his redemption. There's this sense that the psalmist can rest in God's purposes because he knows who God is. He trusts his faithful character. And what do we read? We read that God is steadfast in love and he gives plentiful redemption. Not just like a little bit of redemption, you know, not just like just a bit, just enough, you know, just to, I don't know if I'll give you all of it. I'll just give you a little bit. Nope. He gives an overflow of redemption. It's a lavish, overflowing love that God has for you. Think of, of the end of Revelation, where we have this picture of God coming and wiping every tear from the eyes that cry. Where he says, behold, I'm making all things new. That's the sense of hope and confidence that we can have, that Jesus does indeed love us, even when we're in the depths, and he will make things well. So we've walked through the psalm. It's a psalm about crying out to God. It's about expressing grief for our sin. But it's also a psalm, I would say, that helps us remember uh, the depth of God's love for us, the depth of forgiveness, that there's more power in Jesus and in the cross than there is in my sin. And if I'll let him, if I will open myself to him, God does forgive me. He forgives me and he loves me even when I'm broken and messed up and feel like a failure. He's better than anything else the world can offer you. In him is life and hope and relationship. And so there's a call, there's a call to us. I think two things I just want to say to reflect on uh, for us this morning. Those are the implications of the psalm for us. Uh, there's a call for us uh, just to be honest about our sin, right? To, to not deny it, to not uh, ignore it, but to be honest when we sin and to repent and to ask for forgiveness 
and then to move from that place to a place where we rest in the hope and the love and the forgiveness of God and the assurance of salvation that we have in Jesus. Sometimes we can, we can be so focused on our sin and we know God forgives us, but we don't really forgive ourselves. And we just sort of, we've made an identity of feeling uh, a victim in our sin, of just being lost in the depths. And God calls us actually out of that place uh, into new life. The second call for us, so the first thing is about being honest about our sin and, and coming in forgiveness uh, to God, asking for forgiveness. But the, the second thing that I think is worth noting here is that as Christians, we are still called to lament. And uh, where life is difficult and where real grief comes our way, we can remember that we bring that sorrow to God. And Psalm 130 reminds us that in those places we encounter the God of hope, uh, the God who hears us, the God who will never leave us or forsake us. And I wanted to read uh, in closing an excerpt uh, from a book called Every Moment Holy, which is a collection of, of sort of prayers uh, to pray uh, in various situations. And this one really kind of struck me. Uh, I think it's a good sort of summary of what we've talked about today. It, it talks a bit about our need for God's grace um, when we're in the depths and calls us to look and put our hope in Jesus. So let me read. This is uh, Every Moment Holy, Volume 1, and uh, I'm going to say the author, Douglas McKelvey, bless him. This is what, uh, this is the prayer for us. He says, so use, he's speaking to God, so use even these days of hard experience, O Spirit of God, to further your sanctifying work in me. Convince me ever more firmly of my great need and of your great grace, of my own sin and weakness and of your strength and forgiveness, of my own utter helplessness and of your merciful provision. I entrust all things to you, Jesus, for you are the captain of my passage through this storm. You are the king who leads me home from lonely exile. You are the lover who embraces me in the midst of my grief. You are the redeemer of all lost and broken things, now yearning to be made new. Your mercies are everlasting and your promises are true. You are the very author of life and the conqueror of death who has promised to remake this world, this sky, these gardens and cities and stars, and also, yes, my own failing flesh, raising it new and imperishable. So seal my heart unto that day, O Christ. So inhabit these holy spaces, these hardships and sorrows, this precious hope of glory. So cradle me in my present frailties. So commune with me in my grief. So shepherd my passing. And so command my resurrection. Let's pray together. Jesus, this morning, we thank you that in the depths of our sin, we can cry out to you. That we can know forgiveness and life and hope. Lord, I thank you also that in our deep places of lament, in our grief and in our sorrow, 
you also provide a path to peace and to assurance. Lord, we do pray today that you would shepherd our hearts as we walk through this life, that you would give us grace each day to live for you. Whether we encounter difficulty or we struggle with our sinfulness, we ask, Lord, that you would make our feet quick to run to you, that we would come uh, thirsty, hungry, to hear you, to receive from you at the cross, that we would know your steadfast love, your bountiful redemption, that we would hear again the goodness of your forgiveness spoken over us, forgiveness made possible through your cross, Lord. And we ask by your Spirit, Jesus, that you would comfort those who are afflicted, that you would bring hope to those who are mourning, that you would walk with us when the days feel dark, and when we experience the depths, knowing, Lord, that you have promised a new creation, a resurrection life, where you will wipe every tear from our eyes. Lord, we look forward to that day, also asking, Lord, that you would give us grace to walk this life well, to minister to those who are in need, to bless those who are poor, to care for those who are sick and ailing to love our brothers and sisters in the church and to extend your grace and your hope to those outside who need to know of this forgiveness and love that we've experienced in you. Jesus, we ask this morning uh, that you would move again and bless those in leadership here in Dryden and in Ontario and in Canada. Lord, that you would meet them in the places where they despair, that you would speak to them, Lord, of the goodness of your forgiveness and that you would draw many into new salvation life. We pray, Jesus, where in our world we see the depths of despair, in the violence and the bloodshed and the brokenness, Lord, of so many places and areas, too much for us to name, but, Lord, not too great for your goodness and for your glory. We ask, Lord, that you would bring your resurrection life to bear even in those places, both in our hearts and beyond in your world that you love. Lord, I pray that you would hear and dry and bless this congregation. Would you knit us together, Lord, in love for you, love for one another. Lord, for all these various uh, events and outreaches, uh, mission, Lord, to those around us, we pray that you would guide our vision and our efforts, that you would stir us to join together in in loving our community, in reaching out to those in need, uh, for our youth as this retreat comes up, Lord, for this uh, family outreach day on the weekend, for our food drive as school gets going and as various ministries begin again, small groups and uh, youth and Sunday school and all else that goes on here uh, in our church family. We pray, Lord, that you would lead and guide that it would be done for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we thank you for those who are looking at being baptized next week. We pray that your spirit would rest upon them as they take this important step in their walk with you. And uh, Lord, remind us all of our own baptisms and the decisions we've made to follow you. And uh, with the words that you taught us, Lord, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. 
thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I'd love to speak benediction over you before we go. Praying you have a, a great week ahead. And do uh, touch base with Pastor Brian if you uh, would like to be involved this Saturday with things. We'd love to have you be part of that. Children of God who are loved and forgiven through our Lord Jesus Christ. May you know the God who meets you in the depths. May you trust in the steadfast love of Jesus. And may you rest in the assurance of the hope and comfort of the Holy Spirit who loves you and walks with you each day of your life. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of that Spirit go with you. Amen.